Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, this is John Campy here. How you doing, guys? And it is, uh, what day is it? It is Friday, November the 19th. And for those of you who are regulars of the John Campy Show, you guys will have noticed that there was no John Campy Show today. Uh, as I announced last night on Thursday during the companion video, there wasn't going to be a show today because Ann and I and our friend Corey, we decided, you know what? We've had a pretty hard couple of weeks. Like nothing bad's happened. Just we've, we've all been working pretty hard. And we decided let's get away for the weekend. And so we decided to do that. So last night we decided to jump into the car and drive out of town for the weekend. But I still wanted to do a podcast today. So I decided, you know what? There's a lot of different types of questions people like to ask that maybe don't have a chance to send them in. So let's do an ask me anything. So I put up in the community tab a question asking, what do you guys want to ask me about? And uh, let's go for it. So I'm going to get through it. Now, there's over like 300 questions that got sent in. I'm obviously not going to be able to get to all of them. Thank you to everybody who sent them in. But I'm going to try to get to a couple of them here. So let's get started here with Gage McPherson who writes, "Uh, Hey, John, talk about your streaming setup a little. I'm pretty new to your show, but it seems very well produced. Well, thank you for that. And from what I can see... Uh, you're the one doing the switching most of the time. How many uh, screens do you use? Are you using a stream deck? Uh, how do you balance keeping the show on track and interesting while also dealing with the production at the same time? Very impressive. All right, well, thanks a lot for that, Gage. And yeah, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Probably the most challenging thing to do on my show is the fact that I am doing all the production. Now, a lot of YouTube guys, they do their own production, but the difference between most YouTube guys and me is that they don't do a live. So, you know, you can record and you can stop and then you can edit things out and then you can go back and do another shot again and all that kind of stuff. We have five cameras set up right now with 20 to 30 graphics that get used every show um, with music cues and all that kind of stuff and it's all being run by me. Now, in an ideal world, you have a floor director, a technical director that would then run all of that stuff while I just focus on hosting the show. And that's the way it should be. But obviously I don't have, you know, the, uh, the, the budget for that. So I run it all myself. So yeah, that is the most challenging thing. So we've got five cameras. We use Sony a 6400s. I love those cameras. Uh, so those are the ones we use and, uh, and yeah, everything is run by me. I have five screens, um, two 32 inches, uh, two 32-inch monitors, two 27-inch monitors, and then one smaller 15-inch monitor. And that helps me keep track of everything that we're doing in the show. And uh, yeah, it is definitely the most challenging part of uh, what we do. Okay, next up, we've got one from Justin Lee who writes, any interesting behind-the-scenes stories that you haven't gotten a chance to talk about lately besides the Spider-Man picture aftermath? Yeah, that's a drama in and of itself. Um, always love hearing you talk about things that happen behind the curtains. Oh, uh, I guess in front because you used to have curtains behind you. Ah, there you go, Justin. Um, listen, one of the cool things about my job that I've always loved is that I've there are a lot of fun stories. There, there are a lot of great things I've had a chance to do and a lot of cool experiences I got to be a part of that I've, I'll always be very, very grateful of. One that we haven't talked about in a long time uh, that was one of my favorites ever is before the first Ant-Man came out, um, I had a chance that just me, I had a chance to go and sit down with Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd. And I had them for about an hour and we just sat and talked and, you know, we took a little bit of a break. Then we kept talking and I edited that down to like a five minute interview of some parts, but had about an hour with them. And I remember when we took a quick break 
and you know because the the talent wants to grab something to drink or take a little bit of a break i was standing over at a snack table grabbing something and this was the coolest thing in the world to me michael douglas academy award winner michael douglas walked over to me he didn't have to do this i'm just some freaking nobody but he took the time to walk over to me when i was standing at the snack table as we were taking a break and say you know, I just wanted to come over and let you know you're really good at this. And look, there is a 50% chance Michael Douglas was bullshitting me. But even if he was bullshitting me and I wasn't doing all that good of a job, just the fact that he, an iconic movie star, felt like, you know what? I can make that guy's day. And he took the time to walk over to me just to say something nice like that and just to say, you know what? You're really good at this. So if he was telling the truth, it's the most honoring thing that's ever been said to me. If he was totally bullshitting me just to be nice, it's one of the nicest things I've seen a movie star do. So um, yeah, there's a little thing. And, and Paul Rudd was awesome too, by the way. But yeah, I just want to give a little shout out to the awesomeness of Michael Douglas. All right, next up, we've got one from, where are we? Joshua Limming, who writes, Afternoon, John. How are things between you and Harloff? Uh, I know a year or more ago, you guys had a lot going on together. Hopefully everything's still good with you two. You guys are an awesome team. Thanks. No, no, me and Harloff are great. If you watch the show on any regular period of time, I'll, I'll mention Christian uh, quite a bit. He and I were just actually texting yesterday. I want to say, no, no, it was two days ago. He and I were just texting two days ago. No, uh, Christian and, and I are great. Um, we are always in contact with each other. You know, I just made um, a business move. Uh, why that I won't go into a lot of detail about, but he was one of the guys I consulted with. Like when I was considering a certain business move that I that I'm I'm just in the process of doing right now, uh, one of the guys I got on the phone with was Christian, and uh, and I consulted with him, and and that was great. And you know I don't know if you, a lot of you guys know this, but when Christian was thinking about going solo, and you know doing all that kind of stuff, the the person he called was me, and he and I sat down and discussed that stuff a lot. So yeah, things with me and Christian are great. Um, I mean, you know, Christian and I were going to do a couple shows together. We were going to do like uh, the Sith Council, I think we were going to call it. And we were going to do a, some something called the Campion Harloff Show. But the thing is, I already knew how busy I was when we were planning all this. He wasn't quite ready for how busy he was going to be, and so unfortunately. We never got around to being able to do that, which sucks. Maybe someday in the future we'll be able to do something. But no, things with me and Harloff are really good. Okay, next up we've got Karaoke Cowboy. I love that username. Who writes, when was the first time you had a fan interaction experience that just made you stop and realize that you loved your job and realize the impact it had on your audience? I Okay, first of all, can I just say that it is still one of my favorite things in the world? Like I, I'm totally scared when people come up and talk to me saying, hey, we, we watch a show. I'm, but I'm not scared because I'm afraid of them. I'm scared because I'm afraid of giving a bad impression. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. I have some weird, I'm socially inept, but at any rate. But it is honestly the coolest thing in the world. And I still remember the first time it happened to me. It was back when I was doing the movie blog, right? And I was actually, true story, this is the greatest thing ever. I was out on a date, this is going back a ways, right? I was out on a date in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And while we were on this date, we were in this restaurant and some dude came over to the table and say, hey man, just so you know, I love the movie blog and I listen to your podcast and I just want to say I'm a big fan. Now you got to understand, I'm on a date and I believe if I'm not mistaken, it was a first date. And I looked cool as shit. <laughs> that was the best thing that all, all of a sudden there, I'm just sitting there and I look cool as shit because 
you know, I, she even asked, did you pay that guy to do that? I'm like, nope, I had no idea that was going to happen. So I would say that was the first time that I thought, wow, like people enjoy what we do. And, and that was really, really cool. So uh, yeah, I love that. I'm not going to lie. Like I could act cool. I could pretend like I'm really cool and say, oh yeah, no fans come up to me all the time. Oh, it's no, no. Listen, when it happens, uh, it usually happens when we're out at movie theaters or stuff like that. But still, whenever it happens and people come up and introduce themselves and say they like the show, I'm not I'm not going to lie to you guys. I geek out inside. Like, to me, that's the coolest thing in the world. They make me feel like a superstar, and it gives me an appreciation for what we do. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's the first time I can remember that happening. All right, next up we got Liam Hemstock, who writes, You seem like someone who constantly wants to evolve. That's true. In five years, where would you like to see the John Campia show and the company as a whole at that in terms of growth? Uh, to make more interesting, uh, shoot your shot at a certain goal. Well, here's the funny thing about evolution. You can't plan evolution. Evolution happens. And you either learn how to flow with it or you try to fight against it. And the whole idea, look, I'm not saying you shouldn't make plans. Of course you should make plans. You should have a plan, absolutely. But again, the funny thing about evolution is you don't plan it. It happens. And you either, you either recognize the potential and the changes happening and learn how, how to adapt to flow with that evolution or you try to fight against it and lose, ultimately. As far as where I'd like the John Campus show to be in five years, it, again, I don't know that I can plan that. I just got to kind of see how things evolve. But I will tell you about what, what my, one of my big dreams is. One of my big dreams is that Carson Drive Media, which is the name of my company. So the John Campus show is the name of the show. Carson Drive Media is the name of my company. What I would love, what I really want more than anything else is to produce. And by that, I mean, I would love to have enough money that... I mean, I'm not talking tens of millions of dollars, but I mean, I would love to have enough money that if I come across a filmmaker or somebody with a really cool idea for a little project or a little documentary or something like that, that I can then finance that, that I can become the producer of it and I can finance it and, you know, make a business out of that, hopefully make money, but also help somebody else achieve their goals and their dreams. Because if you can do both at the same time, like if I could take some money that I made and invest it into another filmmaker that has a great idea for a project and I can profit from that and I can make money from that and I can make a business out of that and help that person achieve a dream of their own at the same time. To me, that's like the biggest win. That's the biggest win. So where I would really like to be five years is still doing some version of the John Campus show, however it evolves, but I would also like my company, Carson Drive Media, to be in, into production and financing other people's projects, projects that I think can make money. So uh, that's what I would really love to do. Thanks for the question, man. All right, next up, Matt Sivjata writes, are you planning to do more documentaries in the future? Um, I will tell you this. I am already in the planning stages, very early planning stages, nonetheless, but early planning stages of a new documentary project that you remember how I just said I want to help somebody else achieve their dream? Well, there's somebody that you guys may be familiar with. Not one of my show regulars, just so you know. But there is somebody um, in the YouTube space, let's just say that, that you might already be familiar with, who I am working with on a documentary idea that they would direct. 
um, and it would be their main baby, but I would come on board to be the executive producer of it and to help finance it and to give some guidance to it and kind of the first stages of what I really want to be doing. Like I was just answering in that last question. I cannot say who it is. I cannot say what the project is right now, but it's already in the early planning stages and expect to hear some, some kind of an announcement from me and that other person probably by March, March or April, you'll probably hear an announcement from us about a project, about the project that we're moving ahead on. So, uh, so the answer to that kind of is yes. Thanks for asking, man. All right. Andrew Lane writes, have you had a chance to see King Richard yet? I would uh, I would have thought it would have gotten an out of the theater reaction, especially given Aaron's involvement in the film. Thanks. And many greetings from Gibraltar. Oh, thanks for writing that in Andrew. Yeah. Listen, had I been had Anne and I and Corey not been in a car on the road last night, I absolutely would have gone to the theater to watch King Richard and done an immediate out of the movie theater reaction. However, I was not at a movie theater. Uh, Anne and I were on the road. <laughs> so we, we, we had a long drive last night. So, uh, but listen, you will absolutely be getting a review and reaction from me on King Richard, uh, probably by the end of the weekend. Um, so excited for it because not only is Aaron in it, but her husband, our friend Tom, uh, Tom Degna is in as well. And by the way, Aaron and Tom welcomed a new member to their family this week. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So I'm not sure when you're going to see Aaron on the show next, because like I said, uh, little baby Degnan has now arrived. So it's going to be a little bit, but I will let her tell the whole story when the time is right. Thanks for asking, man. All right. Next up, we've got a question from Jake Vidmar, who writes, what accomplishment with your channel are you most proud of? For example, is it a specific episode of the show, a specific video, your sub count, uh, anything you're most proud of since you've gone solo? Love the show and you have so much to be proud of. Oh, thank you so much for that, Jake. Um, honestly, I wouldn't say, like there are moments of my career that I look back on and say these were big highlights of my career. Being a moderator for a big panel at Hall H in, in, at Comic-Con, having my own annual Comic-Con panel. Uh, being the moderator for the Avengers Age of Ultron press day with the whole cast of the movie, uh, having the Guardians of the Galaxy in, my first one-on-one -on -one, uh, that I ever did was with director Oliver Stone, Academy Award winner Oliver Stone. There's a lot of those moments, but as far as what would I say am I most proud of when it comes to my channel, I think it's simply that I'm still here is what I'm most proud of. Because I, I'll joke about it sometimes, but dead serious. You have no idea how many times in my career everybody told me I was going to fail, except for the people closest to me and most loyal to me. But other than that, I've always been told at every step along the way, I'm going to fail. When I decided to leave my law job to start the movie blog, I was told by so many people other than those absolutely closest to me, including the support of my family, who my family is awesome, but this is never going to work. You're going to fail. When I decided, then once I built up the movie blog to have like a million readers a month and stuff like that, and I'm on, I'm, I'm featured in an article in Time Magazine, blah, blah, and I decided to move on from it, sell it, and go and do this thing for AMC, everybody called me a sellout. So many, except for those closest to me, everybody said I was a sellout, it was going to flop, I had built this thing, uh, movie blog thing, now blah, 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 blah. Went to AMC. When I decided to move on from AMC, and people, again, everybody said, this is the end. This is the beginning of the end for Campia. Campia can't do this, blah, blah, blah. But I did. And not only did I continue on, I moved it all over. I moved the entire operation over to another company with, with a complex. And we grew it bigger and badder than ever. And then 
when I left that, you know, everybody said Campy is done. You know, he can only he can only succeed if he has this person with him and that person with him. Blah blah. blah. If he doesn't have a corporation behind him to make it work, he's going to fail. Blah, blah blah. And so I launched the John Campy show, and here we are. You know, we're getting on to four years since I moved on from working for my corporate overlord. And hey, there's nothing wrong with corporate overlords. You can have good corporate overlords and you can have bad ones, but there are corporate overlords. But since I moved on from that to do my own thing, and it's every step of the way, everything I have ever done, it is met with a cacophony of you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You don't like this movie. You're done for. You did like this movie. You're done for. You know, one of the things that I have an ardent rule about on my channel, and there have been a couple of times that I've slipped and I've tried to learn from those mistakes, but is that my YouTube channel is not to talk about other YouTube channels. And I don't. I don't talk about, I don't criticize other YouTube channels. I, now, I'll talk about trends on YouTube. I'll talk about trends in the industry that I recognize and see and maybe like or don't like. I'll talk about that stuff. But I never call out, I'll never call out some YouTuber and, and, and trash on another YouTube channel or whatever and, and stuff like that. There have been a couple of times when somebody has done something to me and I've responded, but I don't even like responding. I, to me, that's beneath me and I'm, I'm going to try to move away from that as well. But the point of that is that at every juncture of my journey of doing the John Campius show has been met with even from my own fans, certain changes I would do or make, now it's never going to work. Now it's never going to work. And I'm still here. You know, when I liked, I mean, I hated The Rise of Skywalker, but when I liked, when I had the audacity to like The Last Jedi or things like that, I mean, there are entire YouTube channels that make videos about me, which I've never understood why I'm so important. Like, I'm so important to those people. They need to make movies. They need to make videos about me. Like that's how important I am to them. They see me as a major force in this industry, in this industry and as a major influence. When I'm a nobody in this industry and you know, it's whatever, they need to take time to try to make videos about me, but whatever. But it's not just them. Like even people who support me sometimes when I've made changes or changed my direction or you know, left one thing to go to another, it's always been met with, this is the beginning of the end for Campia. I've spent the last 12 years hearing the, the symphony of this is the beginning of the end of Campia. Then six months later, this is the beginning of the end for Campia. Then six months later, this is the beginning of the end from Campia. And then I, I launched my own show and move on from corporations. This is never going to work. This is never going to work. Oh, now he's going to be irrelevant. And blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we are. I'm still here. I'm still doing what I love to do. I'm still doing what I, what I love doing in the most positive way that I can. I love talking about the things that I love, not about the things that I hate. I love having a community with my audience. And um, everybody seems to think they know what what is good for me better than I do. But in the words of Yoda, my own counsel will I keep. That was a terrible Yoda impersonation. I should never do that again. Mental note to myself. But yeah, no, seriously, at, at the end of the day, I'd say my biggest win is I'm still here. I'm still here. We're still growing. We just had the biggest month we've ever had. Um, we are, you know, great things are happening. For the first time ever, I have full-time staff on the show now. I've, I've always had a lot of part-time staff, three-quarter staff working with me that I've paid for. But but now we're in a position that we can actually pay people full-time, uh, which is 
financially very scary. I'm not going to lie to you. It's financially very, very scary for me. But the point is, we now have sponsors coming on board and all this kind of stuff. And while everybody, you know, there will always be that gaggle of crows on the wires shouting about how I, this is the beginning of the end for Campia. I'm still here and I'm still doing what I love. And I'm still going to be here doing what I love for quite some time to come until I decide that I want to move on to something else. And that's going to be my ultimate thing that I'm proud of is that, and that's what I'm proud of at every step in my career is that every time I've moved on from something, it's been because I've decided it's time to move on from something. When I left AMC, it was because I decided to leave AMC. We, even when things were good, when I decided to leave Collider, it was because I decided to leave Collider, even though we had this big thing going. And when it comes time for me to either end the John Campia show or evolve the John Campia show or whatever is going to happen next, my most proud thing will be, it'll be because I decide it's time to do that and nothing else. So, um, that was rather cathartic for me. Thank you for asking that question, man. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be very self-indulgent there for a second and talk about that. But yeah, bottom line is my most proud thing is that I'm still here. So thank you so much for the question, man. And I appreciate all of you guys who have made it possible for me, not just these last three or four years of doing the John Campion Show solo, but ever since my movie blog days. You guys have been with me for 12, 13, 14 years. So thank you for that. And here's to more tomorrows. All right. Uh, Britain West writes, I just finished Foundation, have some mixed feelings on it. Everything regarding the Empire is just fantastic, but can't seem to care for the other main characters at all. Have you seen the show, and what do you think so far? Okay, I, I'm not going to lie to you, I love Foundation. Now, I haven't seen the final episode yet because it aired, it dropped last night, and again, Anne and I were on the road. So we haven't watched it yet. We're not going to watch it again until we get back uh, to Riverside, till we get back home. And that will probably be sometime Sunday I'll watch that, but I haven't seen the finale yet. I love everything about Empire. The whole idea about the genetic dynasty, the idea that there's always three. There is one to rule, one to advise, one to learn. Brother Dawn, Brother Day, Brother Dusk. Love it. Love it. It's, it's a fascinating fascinating mythology that they've set up there. Lee Pace is fantastic in it. The guy, I forget the name of the actor who plays Brother Dusk, uh, but he's fantastic in it. And I love all the other characters. I love the foundation itself. I love the the other stories going on. It's kind of broken into three stories right now. What's going on with Empire, what's going on with the foundation, and what's going on with Gale. Those are three separate stories going on. I haven't seen the finale yet, but I just got to say, I I really enjoy it. I'm enjoying it a lot. So uh, hopefully I'll still have that same feeling once I watch the finale. All right, next up, Briggs262 writes, when I'm posting my own reviews of movies or TV shows and other entertainment news, I always feel conflicted about watching other people's reviews of the same thing. Like my personal take is being influenced by what I'm hearing from others. Is that even something to worry about? Is that something you deal with? Why or why not? That's a really good question, Briggs. I, my take on it is this. I love seeing other people's reactions and impressions and thoughts and opinions about movies and TV shows. And it never affects... Here's, the, here's what it can't affect. It can't affect your experience with the movie because you already had the experience. If, let's say we're narrowing it down to just a movie. You've already had your experience with the movie. 
that experience is now there. That's it. Your experience has been had. It's now encased. It is what it is. It was what it was. So your experience wasn't affected by it. Now, how your thoughts on that experience, that can be influenced, but I don't see that as a bad thing. Like I have several times, you know, watched a movie and and come out of it and thought, man, this one part of it just didn't make sense. But then I'll read somebody else's review of that movie and they give an opinion or a point of view or a perspective on that one thing that I didn't think made much sense and have gone, oh, that makes sense. See, to me, it it in, to me, getting the input of other fans doesn't make me change my opinions on things, but it can give me new perspectives. And new perspectives is never a bad thing. Listen, one of the things I always say about my show is that my job as a pundit is not to tell you what you want to hear, nor is it my job to convince you to agree with me. My job is to give you my perspective and my opinion in such a way that it helps you clarify why you agree with me or why you disagree with me. Like, if I am talking about my perspective on a story and it helps you sharpen and clarify why you totally disagree with me, then I've done my job. That's the idea. Right? That's the beauty of having a collective community is that it helps us bring into focus our own experiences. Other people don't tell me what to think. Other people don't tell me to like something or not like something. But I am open-minded to bringing the issues or the nitpicks or the things I loved or the things that I found confusing about a project and letting those nitpicks and problems or things I loved be exposed to the opinions of other people to help me sharpen and clarify my own thoughts. So that's why I say like there, there can be a thing in a movie where I'm like, man, this part just didn't make any sense. That's dumb that they had him do that. But then somebody else might point out the reason so-and-so did this in the movie is because if you remember back in act one, this, 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 and I, then I go like, oh yeah, that did make sense. So it does not influence my experience but I find listening to the opinions of other people helps me sharpen my own perspective on what my experience was. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Other people's opinions doesn't change my experience, but other people's opinions can help me understand my own, my own experience better. That's a better way to say it. Let me repeat that. Other people's opinions, other reviews, other you know perspectives, other people's opinions do not change my experience. But other people's opinions can help me understand my own experience better. If those other people giving their opinions are skilled communicators. And that's what I hope to be. That's what I try to be for my audience. Not to tell you what your experience was. But to hopefully give you my perspective to help you better understand your own experience. Whether it was the same one as me or a completely different one from me. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So no, you should expose your own thoughts and opinions to the thoughts and opinions of other people. Because it won't change your experience. It should help you better understand your own experience. Yeah, I'll go with that. Thanks for asking the question, man. Austin Walls writes... You often talk about just taking the step to actually start a project or a goal is something not everyone fully commits to, uh, that a lot of people are just talk. What advice would you give to those that struggle with taking that initial step due to mental health or physical health reasons? What do you take care of? Let me try this again. 
What do you do to take care of your own self being, being every day? Uh, let me try this one more time. What do you do to take care of yourself, your own self being every day so you can prop yourself up to be successful with your goals? All right. Well, that's a really deep question, Austin. I, look, I'll just tell you what my thought is. When, when setting your goals, you have to be cognizant and aware of what are your realistic limitations. It's the first thing I ask myself when setting a goal for something is what are my realistic limitations? Because all of us have them. We all have some level and degree of realistic limitations. All of us do. Some of our limitations are, are very similar to other people's. Some of our limitations are different from other people's, but we all have limitations, all of us. And, you know, I know it's the cool thing to say, oh, no, no, dream for the stars. Well, no, realistically, like any good leadership book will tell you that goals you set have to be realistic. Not that they can't be challenging, not that they can't be difficult, not that it won't take risk, but there's at least some degree of realism that there could be success, right? Me, at the age of 49, being in the shape that I'm in, making it to the National Football League right now is not a realistic goal. You know, I could say, I could say, oh, you just got to believe in yourself. Nope. It doesn't matter how much I believe in myself. Being at the age I'm at and the physical shape, and I'm not in bad physical shape, but I mean, I am not in NFL shape. I am not going to make it into the NFL at this point. I just have to acknowledge that is a that is a realistic limitation on me right now, right? So what, whether you have mental health issues, physical health issues, whatever, take those into consideration when evaluating what it is your goals are. Every single one of us has limitations that are unique from everybody else's as do you if you have a mental or a physical limitation. So just understand that when you're setting your goals. What I would suggest to anybody though about being able to take that initial step is this, small. You know what encourages you more to do something? When you've had a little bit of success. I use this illustration a lot, but it's true. When I was a kid and my, or even as an adult, like when I go visit my parents, sometimes like I'll, I'll mow their lawn. You have to understand the Campia Ranch is a big place. <laughs> and so there's a lot of lawn, but yeah. And I'm not talking about the fields or the forest or the lake or anything. I'm just talking about the lawn part of the, the, the Campia Ranch and the lawn part of the Campia Ranch is still pretty big. And, but what I find is when I just designate one small area of the lawn and I do that one small area and I did it well and I stand back and I look at it, that is incredibly encouraging. That gives you a lot of confidence. Small accomplishments, small victories can give you the confidence and, you know, emboldenment, if that's even a word, to go on and try the next thing. Listen, I always say, here's the saying that I always give. Every single day that you breathe, do one thing, no matter how small that thing is, that gets you one step closer to your goal. Let's say you're trying to write a screenplay about a young woman who travels to New York City to try to make it into the fashion industry. All right, for whatever reason, that's what your goal is. Okay, maybe you don't start writing out that screenplay today. Maybe the first thing you do today is get on the phone with a girl you know. Just give a girl you know a call. Say, hey, you know, 
when, when you've had goals or dreams, what are some of the things that you've done? Like, what are some things you've done? Because you're trying to you're trying to picture this character and who's going to be in your screenplay that's going to be traveling across the country to live in New York City to pursue a goal in fashion. Okay, you know what? One thing you could do today, have a conversation with somebody about what they felt like when they were going for their dreams. Simple little thing. That's a nothing, right? Just talk to them. Hey, you went for your dreams once on something. How did, how did you feel when you were doing that? Because even that tiny little thing gets you one step closer towards writing your screenplay, you know? Maybe you just jump on Google for five minutes and look up, what are the main fashion industry companies in New York? I know nothing about fashion, by the way, but I'm saying, maybe just jump on Google for five minutes one day and read up a little bit on what are the main fashion businesses in New York? Okay, well, guess what? You've just done a little thing that has brought you a bit closer no matter how tiny of a step it is, a bit closer to achieving your goal. And now guess what's happened? After just getting on a phone with some female friend of yours and after spending five minutes on a Google search, the next day you're going to wake up and look in your journal and you're going to see now, oh, look, I've got notes that I made from talking to this one girl and I've got a bunch of information I've copied out of Google about some, some fashion industry things in New York. These are tiny things but all of a sudden you've accomplished a little bit. Now you've accomplished a little bit. Now you're looking at your journal and it's not all blank pages. You actually got like two pages filled out. And now all of a sudden filling out the next page doesn't seem like such a big deal. Now maybe filling out the next four pages doesn't seem like such an impossible goal. So maybe the day after that, you just decide to Google, um, what's the average cost of rent in New York? What's the average cost of rent? And now all of a sudden you got a little bit more information. Now you got a little bit of an idea about what a young woman might feel when she's trying to chase her goals. Now you've got a little bit of an idea about what fashion companies are in New York. Now you've got an idea about, wow, New York's an expensive place to live. It costs you about this. How is this girl going to survive? How is this girl in my story going to survive when she goes to New York, when rent is this? Now you got three pages filled out. The thing is this, the taking a little step every day isn't just to get you moving. But when you take three or four tiny steps and then you look back at the steps you've taken, you're a little bit further ahead than you thought maybe you'd ever be. And so that's when, so again, for me, when I'm setting up new goals, number one, I evaluate what are my realistic limitations when it comes to this. Then every single day, I will do something, no matter how grand or how tiny, that contributes and moves me closer to my goal, even if it's something small. And when you do that and you start to accumulate these little victories, all of a sudden you've got something to go on now. All of a sudden the next black blank page doesn't seem so intimidating. So anyway, that would be my advice. I'm sure what I just said sounded like a lot of schlock, but, but honestly, that has been my approach and I hope it will be something that works for you. Thanks for asking the question, man. And all right, guys, that uh, that does it for all the time I've got for today for this. Listen, there were a ton of questions got sent in. So you know what? I think I'm going to do another one of these tomorrow. Uh, I, th I can squeeze another half hour, 45 minutes out and address more of the questions that came in. So listen, if you sent in one of those questions and you didn't see it, hear it answered yet, uh, maybe I'll get it. Again, I, I'm never going to be able to get to even probably half or three quarters of the questions that got sent in. There's just a ton of them, but I am going to pick out even more and read more of them tomorrow and we'll do another one though. So um, yeah, hopefully you guys like this a uh, little informal. I'm just in a hotel room right now as uh, Ann and Corey are off doing a little bit of shopping. 
And uh, I'm probably going to go play a little bit of poker myself because, you know, I love to play poker when I come to Vegas. Uh, at any rate, uh, thanks a lot for sending in those questions, guys. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. And uh, thank you for everything. I will talk to you guys next time. My name is John Campia. And until then, my friends, bye-bye.